the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You have to receive the Word of God and you have to believe the Word of God for the Word of God to work in you. You've got to receive it. You've got to believe it for the Word of God to work. And we probably all know people that don't receive the Word of God. They've got, you know, they've got, they're skeptical about it. They've got their questions, their doubts, and, and that kind of thing. And, and you don't really see the Lord working in their life. Why is that? Because you've got to receive the Word of God, you've got to believe the Word of God, and then the Word of God will work. In today's message, Pastor Dan will help you understand how Jesus views prayer. You'll see how Jesus took the time to sit down and pray for both the disciples and himself. In a busy world, you may find that your to-do list takes precedence over time spent with the Lord. You're not alone. It can be a struggle at times. But remember that the time you spend in God's presence, genuinely getting to know Him, will deepen your faith. And in turn, you'll want to receive His Word and spend more time in His presence. It's like a chain reaction. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 17 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Gospel of John, chapter 17, we left off in verse 6, where Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men and women whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given to me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak, in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, 
but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfect, made perfect and one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Well, we, we started chapter 17 last week. We looked at the first five verses of chapter 17 Chapter 17 is the prayer that Jesus prayed on the night of his arrest. Chapter 17 is holy ground, because in this chapter we get to listen in as Jesus prays to his Father just hours before his death, hours before going to the cross. I mentioned last time that this chapter has been called the Holy of Holies of the New Testament. It was actually a Scottish reformer named John Knox who first called this chapter the Holy of Holies back in the 1500s. John Knox had such a fondness for chapter 17 that when he was on his deathbed, he had his wife read this chapter over and over to him as he passed into eternity. It's a very special chapter. I also mentioned last week that you can outline this chapter into three sections. The first section would be verses 1 to 5, where Jesus prayed for himself. The second section would be verses 6 to 19, where Jesus prayed for the apostles, the 11. Remember, Judas at this point has departed. And then finally, you have verses 20 to 26, where Jesus prays for the whole church, including us. And so today... We're going to look at Jesus' prayer for the apostles and his prayer for the whole church. But before we dig into the passage, I want to just, just point out some general observations we can make about this prayer that we can also pr- apply to our own prayer life. Just some things we glean here from this prayer of Jesus. First of all, we should, you know, just based on what Jesus does in this prayer, We should pray for ourselves. You should pray for yourself. Jesus prays for himself in this prayer. We should pray for those we know personally, just as Jesus prayed for the apostles in this prayer. Uh, We should pray for people that we don't know personally, as Jesus prayed for future believers in this prayer. Also in this prayer, Jesus' requests were very specific. He's not praying a general prayer as we, as we sometimes do, just kind of a broad general prayer. 
He's praying a very specific prayer. He's, he's got very specific requests. And then finally, Jesus also gave reasons for his requests. He's having a conversation in his prayer. He's not just dumping a laundry list of things that he would like upon the Father. He, he's, he's talking it out. He's, he's explaining you know, why he's requesting these things. And again, I think these are some takeaways for us and how we can pray. We can follow Jesus' example in this chapter. So, let's dig into the text. Again, look at verse 6. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Jesus manifested God to the world. Jesus manifested God to the world. He said, I have manifested your name. Your name means God's character, God's God's nature. And the word manifested, it means to make known or to make visible or to show. Jesus made known to the world God's nature. He displayed God's character, God's nature. He exhibited God's nature to the world. Back in John chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus, it says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has revealed Him. No one has seen God, but the Son came to reveal the Father to us. This is the purpose of the incarnation. This is why Jesus left heaven and came to the earth and became a man and dwelt among us to reveal God to us to show us the nature of God. The incarnation is God's way, this infinite God of of revealing himself to finite man. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, and we look at the ministry of Jesus, and we look at the miracles of Jesus, and we look at the teachings of Jesus, and we look at the love of Jesus, especially the love of Jesus, his love for sinners, his concern for the broken, his concern for the burdened, his concern for the possessed, his concern for the ruined, his, his love that he demonstrated through his death on the cross for us. When we look at Jesus, you see God, you see the Father, you see the nature of God on display. You look at Jesus and you can say, that's who God is. That's what God's like. That's God's character. That's God's nature. You know, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Jesus came to give us understanding so we can know the true God. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is why he came, to display the Father to us, to display God's nature to us. But notice, Jesus did not manifest God to everyone. Look at verse 6 again. He, he manifested him to the men whom you have given me out of the world, speaking specifically of the 11 disciples, but this is true uh, generally as well. He, he has manifested the Father to, to those whom the Father has given him out of the world. You know, we, we talked about this a little bit last week in our study, that God gave us to Jesus. You are God's gift to Jesus. God loves us, and so he gave us Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he loves Jesus so much 
that he gave us to Jesus. You're God's gift to Jesus. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that you would be a gift to Jesus. But you are God's gift to Jesus. So the next time someone says to you, what do you think you're God's gift to the world? You can say, no, but I am God's gift to Jesus, right? According to the scripture. And look what it says. God gave us to Jesus out of the world. God called us out of the world. John 15, 19, Jesus said, I chose you out of the world. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word here, world, it's, it's not referring to the physical world that we're, you're sitting in right now. God did not call us out of the physical world. That's obvious because we're still in the physical world. So what does he mean? This word world here, it's, it's used here meaning that God has called us out of humanity. God has called us out of the human race, out of mankind, God has called us. And it also means that he has called us out of the world system. God has called us out of the world's way of thinking. God has called us out of the world's way of living. And aren't you grateful for that? That he has called us out of the world. He says, they were yours, you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. I look down at, at verse 8. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. So Jesus gave the apostles the words he received from the Father. So by obeying Jesus' words, the apostles kept the Father's word also. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, for I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. He says here, I gave them the words that you gave me, Father, and they have received them. They have received your word. And how did the the apostles receive the word. Well, this word receive, if you're a note taker, it means to lay hold of or to latch on to. That's how they received it. They received the word of God. They latched on to it. They latched on to it. They didn't receive the word of God with skepticism or doubt. They didn't receive the word of God, you know, where they believed parts of it. But the parts they didn't agree with, they didn't believe those parts, they just dismissed those parts, right? They didn't cherry pick the Word of God. 
They grabbed onto it. Like some of you I know, when you, when you heard the gospel, when you heard that you could have your sins forgiven, when you heard that you could have a new life in Christ, and that the old things would pass away, and He would make everything new, you latched onto it, right? You're, yes, please, where do I sign up? And you grabbed onto it. Others of you, maybe you were skeptical. Maybe you're here today and you're skeptical about Jesus Christ. The disciples, they latched on to the Word of God. They latched on to what Jesus was saying to them and what He taught them. They, they you know, grabbed hold of it and wouldn't let go. Uh, you know, in, in, um, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 Listen to what Paul says about the Thessalonians. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Paul says to the Thessalonians, you received the word of God, not as human words, but as it really is, as the word of God. They grabbed onto it. They latched onto it. This is the word of God. This is the truth. And they were glad to get it. Glad to get their hands on it. And he says there, listen to this. He says, you know, because they received the word of God and they believed the word of God, he says the word of God was working in them. That's an important point. You have to receive the Word of God and you have to believe the Word of God for the Word of God to work in you. You've got to receive it. You've got to believe it for the Word of God to work. And we probably all know people that don't receive the Word of God. They've got, you know, they've got, they're skeptical about it. They've got their questions, their doubts, and, and that kind of thing. And, and you don't really see the Lord working in their life. Why is that? Because you've got to receive the Word of God, you've got to believe the Word of God, and then the Word of God will work in your life. Now, going back to our text here, verse 8, he says, For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now, the apostles, of course, they didn't understand everything about Jesus and his work, but at this point, verse 8 tells us, they were fully convinced of his divine origin. There was no doubt in their minds about his deity, that Jesus came forth from God. And so the apostles received the word of God. They believed Jesus was from God. And then verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all are mine. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. So Jesus prays for the apostles, but he doesn't pray for the world. Now that sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus doesn't pray for the world. Doesn't sound very Christ-like, you know, but he's, you know, he's Jesus. What does he mean? Well, Jesus means he, he, doesn't, he doesn't pray for the world in this particular prayer that he's praying here in John chapter 17 on this night of his arrest. He's not praying for the world here, but he's not saying he doesn't pray for the world ever. He does pray for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He loves the world. 
When Jesus is on the cross, he prays for sinners. He prays for those who are crucifying him and mocking him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. In Isaiah, it says, Isaiah 53, 12, he intercedes for transgressors. So he does pray for the world, but but here in this prayer, he is praying for his disciples only. And by the way, his current ministry is that of a ministry of prayer and intercession. Let me just read a couple verses for you. Hebrews chapter 7, first of all. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, speaking of Jesus. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Right now, Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, interceding. He's, he's praying. In 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. So Jesus is our advocate. He's in heaven right now advocating on our behalf with the Father when we sin. When we sin. Any of you sin this week? If you say no, you're sinning right now, huh, right? Well, when we sin, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father advocating for us. Now, he's one of mine. He's one that you gave to me. I died for him on the cross. I shed my blood for his sins. And he's interceding, advocating on our behalf. So he prays for his disciples here. Verse 11, he says, Now I am no longer in the world. He's about to depart. But these, his disciples, are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. So Jesus prayed for his disciples, and he also prays for us, of course. These these verses apply to us. And he prays many things for his disciples in this prayer. The first thing we see that Jesus prayed for his disciples is that the Father would keep us. The Father would keep us. Holy Father, keep them by your name. Again, that phrase, your name, means your character. Keep them by your character, your nature. Jesus commits the believer's care to the Father for safekeeping. Verse 11 tells us the security of our salvation rests on two things. First of all, the security of our salvation rests on God's character. Not your character or my character. Praise the Lord for that. Our security rests on God's character. He says, keep them by your name, your character. Keep them because of who you are. So so God's reputation is on the line and keeping us. His character, His name is on the line. And so we can be confident because God's trustworthy. God doesn't fail. He's dependable. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He asked me how I know and I say 
You've been listening to Pastor Dan Sexton at Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more from this series in the Gospel of John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on Media. There you'll have access to our entire library of Pastor Dan's messages. You're welcome to listen to online and download for free to share with friends and family. That website one more time is calvaryec.com. Before we close our time with you, we'd like to ask you something. Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please, pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Thank you for taking the time to pray. How can we be praying for you during this study in John? We'd be honored to do that. Please contact us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We'd like to meet you, too. Join us at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, and you can find all the information you need at calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. Feel free to read ahead in John before joining Pastor Dan next time, right here on Ring of Truth.